episode 264 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by Learn the Finer Points. Use the link below to save 10% off their ground school app. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log, with Garmin Pilot. With high-resolution, coast-to-coast composite radar and cloud-to-cloud, cloud-to-ground lightning updated every 2.5 minutes along with always available weather products like METARs, ECHOTOPS, and STORMTRACKS, Sirius XM lets you fly confidently knowing that your weather information is available at 500 feet or at your destination 500 miles ahead. Check out aopa.org forward slash Sirius XM to get a two-month free trial to try these products out for yourself. Aviation what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Today's episode is Stuart Corey. He is taking the reins over. Stuart Corey is the DPE podcaster for Pilot the Pilot, and he has come out with another fire podcast. You probably remember me talking a while ago about how there's going to be a new podcast, there's going to be a DPE, and there's going to be a State of the Industry podcast. Well, I'm kind of uh, continuing that step. We are, we are slowly building to having them be their, their own entity, their own show, uh, or possibly have them released on different days throughout the week underneath the Pilot the Pilot brand. So you let me know what you think, but I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So go ahead and grab your first form protein, mix it up. Uh, hope you're getting the dreamsicle because it's the best one. Mix it up and drink and listen to this episode because it's a good one. So, Aviation, without any further ado, here's Stuart Court. Welcome aboard. This is your captain speaking. Well, we're uh, just about buttoned up, pushing back for an on-time departure. As a reminder, the seatbelt sign is on. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the Pilot Checkride Podcast. I'm your host and designated pilot examiner, Stuart Corey. Episode 5 starts now. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to have you. We've got a pretty interesting topic today. If you fail your check ride, what happens next? And it's a question that I've received over many years of being an examiner. After this occurs, you get over that initial, can't believe that just happened to me, uh, feeling. And then we go forward and, and what needs to happen? How does this work? Not just the process, but how is this going to affect me long term? So in this episode, we're going to take a look at that, uh, really break down the uh, maybe a little bit of the paperwork, some of the retraining process. And then we've got a great interview with a captain for a major airline. Jeff Capretto is going to be with us talking specifically about how this possibly affects future career opportunities. Jeff is a captain and check airman for a major airline, and he also does pilot interviewing for that airline. So he's going to give us a really nice perspective on that particular question and topic that I know many of you may have out there if you're pursuing an aviation career. And if not, this is just uh, good information. Not something we plan for, not certainly something that we want to have happen, but if and when it does, we're armed with some better information. So let's get started. And we'll start by just going over a quick review of the potential outcomes for any check ride. There are three, and we've discussed these on previous episodes. The first one is passing your exam and getting a temporary pilot certificate issued to you. Uh, That's what we're all hoping for. The second potential is a 
letter of discontinuance. That just means we had to stop the check ride for some reason, typically because of the weather. Maybe there was a mechanical issue with the aircraft, uh, something like that. That basically just suspends the check ride. We'll complete it at another date or time. And then lastly, what we're talking about today, the notice of disapproval. And that is because task or area of operation did not meet the ACS, which is the Airman Certification Standards. For those of you out there that are not 100% on that, um, there's a lot goes into uh, how a DPE, how an examiner or an FAA inspector evaluates that check ride. But all of that aside, it's spelled out very clearly in the ACS, Airman Certification Standards. So let's break this down and see exactly how the process works when we're issued a notice of disapproval. First of all, let's talk about when someone can be issued a notice of disapproval or fail their check ride. As we've discussed in previous episodes, the initial qualifying portion of your check ride, the portion at the initial meeting with you and your examiner, that's going to vet a lot of the requirements for you to take the test. You can't necessarily fail that. You're just, if you don't have the nighttime or the cross-country time that you need to apply for this application or to apply for this check ride or that certificate or rating, then we never even began the test. So you can't necessarily fail that. When you can is after the test has begun, which by the way should be announced by every examiner or inspector before you begin the check ride so that you're clear as to when everything starts. The evaluation starts for that certificate or rating. And again, I don't want to get too detailed or bogged down in this, but the oral portion or the flight portion. If something is not satisfactory during the oral portion, the examiner will most likely stop it right then and there, and there'll be nothing else for that day uh, or for that check ride to proceed. Um, I rarely, if ever, have continued beyond that if they've have been if the applicant's been deficient during the oral portion it's kind of a done deal the second time in which or second phase of a check ride in which a applicant can fail or be issued the notice of disapproval is during the flight portion this seems to be a little more common most people are uh, fairly more prepared for the oral portion and if you take a look at the flight, there's a lot of variables, a lot of pretty dynamic environment, of course. A lot of things can happen with uh, the uh, flight, uh, external forces, whether it's the weather, the stress, other traffic in the area. Things like that have a tendency to make an impact on the outcome of the flight portion of the check ride. If something's not satisfactory, if it doesn't meet the standards of the airman certification standards, or depending on the check ride, it might be the practical test standards, then the examiner or inspector will let you know at that point in time that that was not satisfactory and ask if you'd like to continue. If it's a significant loss of desired aircraft state, meaning that we entered a spin or was significantly an unsafe outcome for the maneuver, then we probably won't even have that option. Um, you know, I had a I had a private pilot applicant many years ago who was doing a power-off stall, and 
at the top of the stall just as we broke for the stall. Don't know why, but he pushed on the rudder and around we went into a spin. Once I recovered and he stopped screaming, we just went straight back to the airport and we were done for the day. Um, he was certainly done and I really didn't need to continue, obviously. So there are times where if it's pretty egregious, you're not going to begin uh, going to have an option to continue. However, uh, that being said, that normally is the case. If that particular move maneuver, say, for example, on a private pilot, uh, the steep turn was not satisfactory. The applicant can be advised of that and then choose if they wish he or she can continue the check ride and move on from there. Maybe get as much done as possible. So when we come back another day, all we have to do is check or test the steep turns, which was not which were not satisfactory. So that covers really when we can fail a check ride and why it happens. It's pretty straightforward. And if there are some gray areas. You've got some options in the sense that talk to the examiner, find out specifically what it was that was not satisfactory that that examiner found incorrect. Or I know that there's that feeling of, I can't believe this just happened again. There's that feeling of, can't believe it just happened. But you're certainly able to ask a few questions. And the examiner, he or she, will certainly take some time to debrief and make sure that items are clear when the retest occurs, what needs to be done. And that's what I'd like to address next is how does this process work? Well, you've got to go back and retest those items that were not satisfactory. So if it was during the oral portion, as we discussed earlier, you're probably going to start where you left off and then continue on from there, including the flight portion. If it was an item in the flight that was not satisfactory, let's just use our example again of steep turns during a private pilot check ride. That's all that needs to be retested. So once you get retraining and your instructor finds that everything is okay, everything is satisfactory, then the retest can be scheduled with the examiner. Couple of tips. You might want to go ahead and schedule the retest with the examiner while he or she is sitting there. I know I'm busy and I suggest doing that with my applicants that uh, get issued a notice of disapproval. Just go ahead and get that on the books. There may be some circumstances where you don't really know how long it's going to take for the retest. There might have been multiple maneuvers that need to be retested. So uh, schedules are a little weird and, and it might take some more time. But if you can do that, that's great. There is no waiting period. There's no time that you have to wait to be retested. So if you're available and the examiner's available tomorrow and your instructor finds that you meet the standards, then that's might, that might just be what you guys do. And I've certainly had that happen. When it comes to the paperwork, the instructor will provide you guidance and Make sure that a new application is submitted in IACRA, as well as endorsements are made in the logbook. Um, CFIs out there, just make sure that that's completely done. Sometimes CFIs go for long periods of time without, an, without their students being um, failed or without having a notice of disapproval for that outcome on their student. So all of a sudden it becomes something that's 
new to them as the CFI. So make sure that you do some investigating, ask some questions, talk to the examiner, make sure that you've got all your bases covered for your student when they come back for the retest. When the retest actually occurs for the flight portion, we're just going to go out and do, in this case, in this example, just the steep turns. I've had people ask, and I've actually had this happen, we go out, do the steep turn, they're great, we come back into the pattern, and the applicant during that pattern entry gets high on the uh, final, they land halfway down the runway, slam on the brakes, and barely make it off the end of the runway. Well, that's still jeopardy. That's still not good. So just because you might have passed the previous normal short field, soft field landings on the first time you flew, and all we had to do on the retest was the steep turns, doesn't mean that you couldn't become unsatisfactory on something else that was during the rest of that subsequent flight. You still have to perform, right? Let's take a break from today's podcast to hear from our sponsors, RAA. Did you know there are three action steps you can take to protect yourself in a volatile market? Volatility in the market can make the best investor a little nervous and take actions that they know they normally wouldn't. It can be stressful and you may be thinking, shouldn't I be doing something though? Well, the answer is yes. The first and maybe the most important action you can take is to resist the urge to make decisions based on recent market movements alone. This is tough, but will pay off in the long run. Next, if you're feeling stressed in this market, it may be time to review your risk tolerance and your ability to take a loss in downturns. We all like to think we can take the risk up until the point where we actually see fluctuations in our portfolio. And lastly, get a second opinion on where you stand financially so you can take a longer-term view of the market in your financial plan. Not sure where to start? RAA can help. Founded by Pilots for Pilots and with four decades of financial planning and investment management experience, RAA is intimately familiar with unique benefits, risks, and career timelines that pilots face. Whether you're early in your career as a pilot or you spent years flying the line, RAA is here to help navigate your financial journey from takeoff to touchdown. For more pilot-specific planning tips, go to raa.com slash pilot to pilot. That's pilot to pilot. And now back to today's episode. So hopefully that helps clear up some items, gives us a little more insight as to the notice of disapproval, the process, and how that works, getting from starting the check ride, an unfortunate uh, outcome, and then getting back in the game and retesting the check ride to earn the pilot certificate or rating, whatever it is uh, that you are shooting for. So let's get a little more information as we move to our interview and talk a little bit with Captain Jeff Capretto. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have a guest here with us today on the podcast, uh, Jeff Capretto, who is a captain and check airman for United Airlines. He's been with them for quite some time and has a great background to speak to our topic today. So first of all, uh, Jeff, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Thanks for the nice introduction. Sure. I um, will give you an opportunity just to kind of hear your background a little bit. But as you know, uh, we talked briefly before uh, we got on the episode. Uh, we're talking a little bit about failing a check ride and what happens next. So I kind of have gone through a little bit of the details, kind of the specifics on the FAA side and from the examiner standpoint of, of what we do, but really wanting to get your perspective, which we'll get into in just a little bit. But um, I'd love to have you just take a minute to give us your background uh, and where you're coming from and how you ended up at United Airlines. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. 
So uh, you covered it well. I've been with United for about 16 years, but it all started uh, back when I was about 14 years old. I started taking flying lessons uh, at a local airport here in Ohio and uh, worked through my ratings. Actually headed off to uh, a university, Lewis University out in Illinois, into the uh, aviation flight management program there, Yeah, which continued with all my ratings. And then um, ended up getting hired on right out of college with uh, Continental Express back in, that would have been, geez, 98, flying Beach 1900s. Um, but my goal most of my life was to get into the military. I just, uh, I was pretty much told no every angle that I tried. I just it didn't have the best grades. I mean, I had really good grades, actually, just didn't have the best test scores. Uh, long story short, fast forward, one of my civilian instructors had gotten into the Illinois Guard. Uh, started talking to me about the Air National Guard. And then while I was a, a captain with United, uh, I'm sorry, Continental Express back in the day, I interviewed with a bunch of guard units, begged, pleaded, uh, persistence paid off and got selected to go to a guard unit in Pennsylvania. Went through uh, successfully navigated pilot training with a couple failures in there. So that'll be a good lead on, um, but was able to overcome those obviously. And then uh, flew in the military for 21 plus years uh, in three or four different airframes. And then uh, flew the RJ for uh, Express Jet, eventually flowed through over to Continental. And now I'm probably a United 737 pilot based in Cleveland. Outstanding, which is where our paths have primarily crossed. What a great background. Obviously, in addition to uh, your military uh, training and, and experience, being here at United Airlines, uh, a captain and as well as a, a Czech airman on the 737, that in itself is a huge evaluator position, uh, being able to do that on almost every trip. It probably seems like, right, with uh, with all the training and hiring that we're doing. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. It's very busy uh, because, as you said, I mean, it's unprecedented growth, unprecedented hiring, uh, but very exciting, very challenging, very fun because it's a lot of um, young, motivated pilots coming to us. So I'm really For sure. Yeah. And um, through your time in, uh, just to kind of tap onto your uh, background in the military, through that experience, did you have some evaluator uh, time or instructor pilot position uh, in the military as well on one or two different types of aircraft? I did. I, I had a very, um, I had an outstanding military career. They, you know, they say timing is everything, but um Yes, I was an instructor and evaluator in uh, the C-130 aircraft, the C-27 aircraft that we flew for just a, a few years in the Guard. Um, and uh, and really like that. Um, really, really unique experience just because of the different type of flying. Um, and then also uh, was able to do some of the pilot hiring. So I got the opportunity to kind of go back to what it was like when I was trying to get into Guard units and got to be on the hiring boards and a couple of the board presidents to hire uh, individuals on to get their chance to go to pilot training and, and join the military with us. That's awesome. Well, and then lastly, um, it uh, I believe you mentioned uh, that you also have been doing uh, pilot interviewing uh, for United Airlines in recent years. Yes. Yeah. It's about the last year I've been out of it just because we've been so busy doing the uh, training with the new pilots, but uh, I did have the Amazing opportunity to get hired by the pirate hiring team and uh, about a year and a half's worth of uh, interviews at United, which was a, another great experience. That's awesome. Well, certainly more than qualified to address the topic at hand here. And we'll just kind of get into, you know, this whole um, failing a check ride or uh, more correctly, just 
being issued uh, a notice of disapproval um, or being unsat on any evaluation or check ride. It happens to everyone uh, along the way at some point, whether it's uh, significant in your career. But first of all, what is your overall thoughts on check rides? Um, give me your, I know this could be a fairly lengthy answer, but your approach to check rides, uh, it's been a major part of of your life and career as it has mine. It's just part of our job and what we do for a living. But for those out there, especially those that are getting started and getting those initial check rides under their belt, what are some things that you've done along the way, even in those early years, to approach a check ride, to best prepare for a check ride, to know that you've got a good, as best a possible fighting chance uh, going into that into that check ride? That's a good question. Um, you know, and I think that that question has changed, or my vision on that question has changed throughout the years. You know, early on, I mean, first and foremost, um, failure is failures, it's a reality in all of our lives, whether it's a check ride or something in our lives. The biggest thing with any kind of failure is just taking the ownership and moving on from it. That's difficult when you first start. Um, you know, when you, I remember being in a young, uh, working on my private, I actually failed my written test. I hate to admit this, but I failed my written test twice. And it was, you know, looking back at that time, I was young, I was 15 years old. It was kind of a lack of, of just preparation and taking things seriously. But Sure. As you move, as you move on um, in your career, uh, you you quickly realize that obviously you have your instructors, you have a syllabus, um, everything that you're supposed to follow that's going to lead you down the path of everything you need to know, right? Your general knowledge all the way up to your flying skills and gaining that proficiency through practice out in the air. What I look at a check ride as a check ride is. I try to take it as my chance to shine. I don't look at it as I'm going in anymore to um, to show someone or I guess to be tested in a sense. I go in there with the opportunity to go, man, I'm going to show this examiner, this line check airman, this evaluator instructor of mine, how well I know it and how well I can do it. And then most importantly, knowing that I'm going to make mistakes because, you know, as you get longer in the tooth in this, Stuart, and I'm sure you're aware of it. One of the biggest things you learn is that you, you have to be humble because at any given moment, you're going to make a mistake, um, and no matter how much experience you have. So knowing that you're going to go into that check ride, you might make a mistake. Some mistakes are recoverable, and you're going to fix them. Some, unfortunately, aren't, and you're going to learn a lesson from them. So I guess, you know, again, that's, that's a, that spans a long career to answer that question. Um, but I think the best, my best results came when I was in the military and I was kind of taught, you know, now's your chance to shine. Yeah. You're going to have to show us some stuff and you have to know some specific items and we all know what those are. So those should, to me should be given, but now's my chance to shine and show them that I can do this and I can actually do it well. Um, so does that make sense? Absolutely. No, very well said. I, I, you know, I had my last episode, uh, we talked a little bit about, about check rides and best tips to pass your check ride. And, probably that the one that really hits home for me as well is is just doing it for yourself and making sure that you're the one that's stepping up as you said to shine making sure that you're the one that's just prepare not only for yourself but also perform for yourself and everything else kind of falls into place um it really it really puts it in perspective well, you mentioned your uh, your written test uh on your on your private was there was there any memorable check ride out there in the past? You've done hundreds of check rides uh, over the years. 
anyone that uh, kind of stands out that was memorable for good or bad reasons? Uh, you know, I think the ones you always remember are the ones, unfortunately, where things might not have gone so well. Um, you know, I, I do laugh. I always think back. My first real failure was my instrument check ride. You probably remember the days, but we actually had to do like holds over an NDB. And yeah. I will never forget, I was over in Aurora, Illinois, and we went over to DeKalb, and there was an NDB there. <laughs> and the evaluator had given me a hold. I remember I was so confused. And at one point, he took the aircraft and said, which way is the NDB? And I took both my hands and pointed a different direction. <laughs> um, because I obviously, I mean, I knew at that point, right? I had known right. I was like yeah. messing it up. Right. Um, so that one's kind of memorable because I just remember the examiner having such a great attitude, like, hey, we're going to get a chance to try this again, but we're able to get some other stuff done. And then I specifically remember one, which was my most, what I would call embarrassing was uh, pilot training. I had, you know, pilot training is such a competitive environment. Um, and your military pilot training, yeah. Correct. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Yes. So undergraduate pilot training is just so competitive, much like everything is, but there I would say ultra competitive. And we were doing a low level check ride in the T 38, which, you know, outstanding fun airplane. You're going fast, you're down low, you're doing a low level. And I just, uh, I completely got lost. I missed a turn. And it was just, it's just something I couldn't have ever fathomed happening to me. That was probably my most humbling moment because I thought I was. To that point, I had not failed the check ride. I thought in my mind, I was something pretty special. I was going to go on and fly a tack aircraft. And that, that was so humbling to me when I look back, probably the one check ride that really had the most effect on me where I was able to go, you know what, you might be good. And yeah, you might be getting some better grades, but at any given moment, like I said earlier, you can really mess it up. So I got a chance to retake that one. Uh, so those yeah. are probably the two that that really stand out um, in my career, and and that's that's so important. First of all, thank you for sharing that because you and I both know at this level it's tough sometimes to to even look back and admit that. But the humility is there. Uh, you know that you learn from those, and so um, being able to share those with our audience um, is is huge. Uh, people out there, our listeners, can really see that. It can happen. It can happen to anybody, and and at the same time, we can still we can still achieve. So, on to this failure and how it transfers or transfers or translates into a career position. Um, and you can address this on the military hiring that you did, but particularly uh, the airline side of things, because it seems to be that is quite the trend. We're we're hiring until the sun burns out. And I don't think that's going to stop for quite some time. But any of our listeners out there that may even have a failure or two under their belt or end up having a failure or two, how did you look at that when a candidate came to you for an interview and you were looking at their resume, looking at their background, their their flight record? Uh, was there initial thoughts before you even sat down and and uh, started the interview or a predisposition on going into the interview with that candidate? So prepositioned or predisposition, absolutely not. I, yes, you know, you get an opportunity as an interviewer to look over, obviously, the applicant that you're interviewing's um, application, right? So you, so you have some insight before you get the opportunity to 
to spend some time and let that person tell their story because it's all about the applicant that day. You know, we want them to have the most comfortable experience they can have. Um, so we really get to know them and we really make the right decision. So predisposition when I see check red failures, absolutely not. To me, it's all about how it's explained. Um, you know, and I know every there's some leeway in how those interviews go. Um, but I myself, I mean, you know, think of the wide range of applicants, uh, Stuart, that we interview. You know, you may right. have a fairly young individual that's just, you know, really new at a um, at a Part 121 regional carrier that's coming to us. Or sometimes you're interviewing a, an older individual that might have retired as a colonel in the Air Force, you know. So, so there's such a wide range. The biggest thing to me is... I always ask the question, I don't care if it was a colonel who had been served 30 years in the military and maybe his only failure or her only failure could have been like a instrument check ride how many years ago, right? Sure. To me, it's always intriguing to ask the question um, and say what happened. And when they take the ownership, sometimes you get a chuckle or a smile and go, holy cow, yeah, I remember that day. Um, just kind of like I said to you, you know, I... I really messed up. I tuned the wrong localizer frequency in, or I did this. And it's all in the ownership and the lessons learned. Can you turn something that you thought at the moment was, you know, in a sense, a failure and turn it into a positive? Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, 99% of the time, if you see a failure or two, you bring it up. Hey, what happened that day? If you see ownership and a lesson learned in there, then that turns what you consider that failure or that negative completely into a positive. I've even heard some amazing stories of an individual, maybe even failing a, um, a, later, a, bit, a little bit later on in their career. Say they failed an initial part 121 um, type ride. Uh, uh -huh. and, you know, you see that. So they're maybe a little bit later on in their career and they're even more nervous about that because here they are, right? They have a 121 failure, but they've gotten through and they're there. I mean, again, the, the story of one taking the ownership, how they've learned from it, how they eventually, you know, reaccomplish that check ride and been on the line for a year and a half, and how it made them better. Um, that's what it's all about. It's all about taking the ownership and, and learning a lesson from it. If that uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and so during an interview, and again, not giving away the farm or, but just kind of breaking this down. If if you've got an applicant that's that doesn't quite go to the the ownership side of, of failing a check ride and or making that mistake on that evaluation. And they, and they start blaming the weather or, well, it really was, you know, the examiner or really, you know what, the airplane was, was kind of messed up that day. Or, I mean, have you, have you had that where there are times where they just move away from that and they start blaming everything else, but their performance, their own performance or taking ownership. I would say that, yes, it has happened. It doesn't happen much, thankfully. I mean, look, um, we've all been in a situation where sometimes we might have been dealt um, some cards that we didn't consider fair. or and it, and it happens. I know it happens out there. But the harsh reality is no matter what the result was or the action that caused you to have this, um, I, I hate to say, I like unsatisfactory better than failure because I don't look at it as a failure. I just look at it that day you, you didn't meet a standard. Correct. Yeah. Um, so you run set that day. But, um, you know, if you can, <laughs> even if you might have been dealt some cards that you didn't think were fair, if you really can self-reflect and still take ownership, it's only going to be good. It's only going to make you a better pilot, 
a better leader, a better mentor. So have I seen that? Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I would, I would, in my personal interviews, because that's all I can speak to, um, I'm not going to say that that makes someone not get through the interview or be unsuccessful, but it's probably going to lead to additional questions because you, you want to ask, you want to see, can we learn from our mistakes? Because as we've said a couple of times already in this podcast, we're, we're going to make mistakes. I mean, Stu, I just got my line check and made a mistake, but we corrected the mistake and we learned from it. I mean, right. here I am after flying for how long and I'm a line check airman. I make mistakes. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it, I, I see what you're saying in that, in that if it doesn't quite um, get to the ownership of that unsat or, or failure, of that check ride, then it may, it may boil down to some additional questions because honestly it comes down to maybe a, a little bit or a little bit more of a character evaluation, right? Um, really, where are they standing with, with everything they've, they've accomplished good, good or bad. Right. Because I mean, as we say, we, when, when someone gets to an interview at a major airline, the reality is they've got all the requirements flying wise that the airline's looking at. And it's a different type of interview these days, right? We don't, we don't put individuals in simulators anymore to prove their ability to fly. It comes from their resume and their logbooks and their previous jobs. So what we're really trying to gain is, you know, we're hiring a captain, a leader, a future mentor. So put the flying aside. Uh, if you failed a check ride because you couldn't do a turn around a point correctly, that's okay. What did you learn from it? And how has it made you a better pod? How has it made you more resilient? So next time you have some kind of uh, failure or something that's going to be a little bit difficult in your life, how are you going to handle it? And how have you learned from it? So. Right. Yeah, definitely transfers. Uh, well, lastly, the only thing um, I wanted to cover was some of your best tips because you've seen this on both ends mistakes that you've made uh, along the way on various check rides or even line checks, but also um, as the evaluator, what are some of the best ways you can tell our listeners out there to handle the disapproval at the time? You know, I get, uh, unfortunately, everyone makes those mistakes and I have to issue that disapproval for that instrument check ride. They turned the wrong way in the hold. Uh, They just we're out of bounds when it came to the uh, parameters on shooting that ILS. And I have to issue that notice of disapproval. We're going to just come back and do it again. It happens. Uh, but no matter what, um, they're disappointed. What are some things that you would recommend that that applicant or that individual does after the unsat or failure as far as reaction, you know, the, the emotional side of it, as well as the, the practical side of kind of getting back in the game. So the emotional side is so difficult because we've all been there. And I mean, you have to give yourself, you have to get over that initial, uh, for a lack of a better term, shock. Uh, I would argue that I think most applicants know that it has happened before it's even um, presented to them. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, right, they have to still hear the words or hear the disapproval from, from you or whoever it may be. So they have to, they have to take the time to uh, let that soak in. Then I think is the period of the ownership of it. The reality of looking back at yourself and going, I did completely mess that up. I would share with you that one thing that I really liked about the military is, you know, you would come back, obviously sometimes the hardest part was the fact that you had to stand amongst your peers and your other fellow students and they found out you failed too, right? So there's a little bit of embarrassment. I used to 
say that that embarrassment I always thought was was good for you because it's what really made you self-reflect and go, okay, am I going to take ownership? Yeah, I'm embarrassed. I let some of my classmates down. I worked hard on this. So take the ownership. Um, and then maybe even now going back, because the harsh reality is you're getting this debrief. Maybe it's from you, Stuart, after failing. And sometimes I wonder how much information do you really check in, take in? Because once you hear that, hey, here's a disapproval, don't worry. Yeah. We're going to do this again, right? The hard part is really believing that. Like, okay, I have to get through this. So, you know, I've even had the opportunity to tell uh, in the military, I would tell folks, hey, let's talk, let's meet, let's chat in a couple of days when it settles in and we can talk about a path forward. What do you have to do to, to fix this? You know, what's going to make you successful again? So, because they're kind of mentally checked out initially, you know, right after, right after that, um, you know, that event. It's just, yep. It's because in that, in that, like you said, shock and, and disbelief that this actually happened uh, after spending all this time and effort um, into into putting putting forth this uh, check ride. So yeah, that's I think that's the biggest part that I'm trying to get get across is just that initial and you don't listen and you're so disappointed in yourself yeah. and then you know you want to and then all of a sudden you get back and you get it. I mean, I remember the days of poetry going back to my room all upset. Getting a good dinner, waking up the next morning, going, "Well, come on! I mean, I'm going to get through this." And I think the biggest thing is taking the ownership of it. And then once you take the ownership and go, "I failed it," um, there's strength in numbers. I promise you, you can look back and talk to. You can always, and that's why it's important, no matter where you're at in your career, to have some good mentors, um, some good friends, some good DEs, some good instructors, whatever it may be, to lean back on a call and go, "Look, I'm embarrassed. I failed this truck ride." Have that individual go, yeah, guess what? I failed a couple too. Or don't worry, you know, and if you can have those good mentors, those are going to help you. They are going to help you understand to take the ownership and then get back on the track of how can I turn this into a learning lesson and moving on and getting it behind me and moving forward. Yeah, no positive. I, you know, I always find it um, gratifying that I, and this is not a requirement in any way, but it certainly uh, tells the tale of what you just mentioned. Two months, two years, right after someone's failed their check ride, um, I'll run into them again at the airport um, months or years later. And they'll say, Stuart, you know, you failed me on that instrument check ride. And I was so upset that day, but I look back on it and I really am glad that that happened because I, I became a better pilot. I I knew I wasn't satisfactory the day that we took my check ride, but I learned from it and it's maybe a better pilot. And those are nice things to hear. And I'm sure you've had the the same reaction as well, um, you know, down the road as an evaluator. Yeah, those are the aha moments. And those are the moments for all of us that, you know, I remember one being there saying that to one of my instructors. And then when you are, you I guess in a sense, you're blessed enough to have a student see that, come to you and say it that's when you know they're doing it right and you're doing it right. right? Yeah. Because you knew that it was, it was a legitimate failure and you're only helping them occur as much as, I mean, look, I, I guarantee Stuart, you can back me up on this. We go on every check ride or every evaluation, whether it's us taking it or us giving the evaluation, we don't want the person to fail or we don't want to fail ourselves. No. We want everyone to do well. It's just, it, it's the nature of the beast. It's the stress. It's the, that day, you never know what's going on in someone's life. So that's uh, that's very well said. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I think this has been great information and uh, just a wealth of knowledge, uh, Jeff. I really appreciate uh, your time taking uh, out of your busy schedule to to meet with us and uh, share your your background, your thoughts and ideas when it comes to um, uh, not making it through a check ride and and you know the reaction and and what to do after that. So, I um, look forward to having you back on. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I hope I get the opportunity again. Thank you. You bet. I know that you, uh, before I let you go, I know you've got, with your military background, you've got a lot of ideas and thoughts on uh, sharing that, especially with some of the younger listeners out there. So um, we've talked a little bit about that, and I look forward to having you back on for another episode. I can't wait. I'm, uh, I'm very motivated to talk about that subject. You bet. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you. There it is, the double chime that indicates a question from our audience, from you all out there for the examiner. Please keep those coming to Stuart at pilotcheckride.com, S-T-U-A-R-T at pilotcheckride.com. We'll get those answered either back on through email or certainly try and put them here on the episode as we move forward. The question we have today is from Steve in Fort Myers, Florida, and Steve asks, do all examiners have the same check ride ability? Do they have the ability to, I think is what he's asking is, do they have the ability to conduct all types of check rides? And the answer is no, not necessarily. Uh, fairly new examiners are only usually given the authorization, as it's actually called, to conduct private and then sometimes private instrument and commercial exams. So once an examiner is established, the FAA will then provide additional authorizations on top of that. And that could include everything from additional ratings such as multi-engine and then, of course, CFI initial and CFI add-on ratings such as a multi-engine instructor or instrument instructor check rides. Doesn't necessarily mean that that examiner can do all types of check rides. Uh, but typically, if it's an airplane examiner, for example, they would provide private instrument and commercial initially. Uh, with the demand that's going on, many FISDOs, many of the offices that I've seen are getting multiple authorizations, even on new examiners, just to meet the demand for the check rides out there nationwide. Great question. Thanks so much. While we're on the topic of answering questions, one that popped in my head as we were discussing some of the items earlier in the episode about retesting. I've had many people ask me also, what if I have multiple failures? After that third failure, for example, the FAA is going to come after me. They're going to either come after me or they're even going to come after my CFI. Is that truly the case? The answer to that is no, not necessarily. Remember, it's usually on a case-by-case -case basis. If there's three or more failures, I'm not required to tell the FISDO or the FAA about it. No examiner is required to tell them. They don't necessarily keep track of multiple failures. However, if it does become a red flag or an issue, they would certainly contact the examiner. They'd contact me first. They'd find out exactly what's going on and have a discussion about what needs to happen next. Remember, many times those CFIs that are out there that I get this question from quite often, you are given a student that might be having some difficulty. 
So the second or third or even fourth failure not, might just be because that applicant's having a very difficult time and having some roadblocks or some struggles with learning to fly or getting to that next certificate or rating. Doesn't necessarily mean they're coming after anybody after a third or fourth failure. So keep flying, keep training, and remember, it's not how much total time you have, it's the next hour that counts, and it all comes together in the flare. We'll see you guys next time. That's a wrap on today's episode. Shout out to Stuart for getting another amazing episode out there. Did you know that there's a shortage on DPEs? Yeah, I just figured that out. My editor, Kevin, who's listening to this now, uh, <laughs> he sent me an email. It was, a, it was a good article about how DPEs are very short-staffed. Um, I know a couple of people who have applied for it and they haven't gotten it yet, so I don't know if that says more for them or if it's just the FA doesn't know what they want to do or what direction they want to head in. So if you ever thought about being a DPE, now might be the time to do it. Avenation, hope you're having a great day. And as always, happy flying.